Welcome to another NCBI podcast. NCBI is the Irish National Sight Loss Agency. We are a not-for-profit charity which offers support and services to people of all ages who are experiencing difficulties with their eyesight. If you would like more information on our services, please visit www.ncbi.ie. Thanks very much, uh, Dr. Keegan, for having a chat with us today. Um, we would welcome the opportunity to share some of the questions we've been receiving from some of our service users with you um, and hopefully be able to offer some reassurance to them at this time. So, um, Thank you. Yeah. we may as well kick off. And uh, one of the, the first questions that we've been asked by a couple of people is in terms of um, whether people with sight loss are at a higher risk of um, exposure to this virus, because as you know, people with sight loss tend to touch items and surfaces more than a sighted person. Yes, it's a very good question. And I think it's really pertinent to um, all the efforts we're trying to make at the moment about uh, limiting uh, contact with surfaces, particularly potentially contaminated surfaces and then touching our faces um, afterwards. There's no specific data out there that the blind or those with sight loss are at greater risk, uh, but that data may come at a later stage because it's still very early in the development of this crisis and pandemic. So we really are recommending uh, general advice to everybody, but for heightened awareness for those with sight loss and blindness. You live in a much more tactile world and rely on uh, touch for a lot of the orientation um, to your surroundings and space. So with that in mind, regular hand hygiene is the biggest safety measure to have a bottle of uh, hand sanitizer with you uh, as often as possible and wipes. So if you're going to be at an area sitting at a desk or at your computer that you have sanitizing wipes with you that you can clean the area before you start working or using a device at that site, uh, having a sanitizer for phones, um, particularly the, the touch phones uh, that you may end up using and to use the hand sanitizer uh, frequently. We'd also appeal to those who work or live with those with sight loss or blindness to ensure that they leave an area clean and sterile after its use without that much clutter around and give it a wipe down with a sanitizing wipe after they've finished in that space. Um, these are the measures that we will take to reduce uh, transmission across society and the community, but particularly in this blind and those with a vision impairment. Well, I think they're very practical um, tips for people to take on board and it offers reassurance to them. So thank you for that. Um, I suppose one of the other questions is in terms of our hospital service at the minute and question around what impact has the virus had on eye care services in our hospitals? Again, thank you, Jay. It's another really relevant question. Uh, you've seen the pictures and the news stories coming from the hospitals of the impact on regular elective and selective care. Now, eye care, unfortunately, is no different to the rest and has been hard hit uh, by the measures hospitals have had to take to tackle the COVID-19 crisis. In my own hospital at the matter, we took the measures nearly four weeks ago to uh, cancel all elective and non-essential activity at the hospital and other hospitals in the country uh, are doing the same and you're well aware of that. Um, so regular outpatient appointments are not being made or filled because people cannot access the hospital. This is for the patient safety that they're not in a crowded space. It's also for the staff safety. We've got to be 
uh, wary of the fact that 25% of all those infected in this country are a healthcare worker. We need to protect the staff uh, to look after those sick patients who are coming in. So we're reducing the number of people coming through. And we do that by moving non-essential uh, outpatient appointments. Uh, but we're still retaining an eye emergency and essential outpatient services uh, for our patients. A number of the units, my own and the Ear Hospital included, have moved to remove their walk-in service. So you access those services by way of um, electronic referral via health link or via email or contacting a dedicated phone number to get in touch with the eye emergency services. At that stage, you'll be asked a series of screening questions to ensure that you are no or low risk for COVID positivity. And then you will be triaged as to the clinical urgency of your condition. And then a decision will be made whether an outpatient visit will be offered to you or indeed a slot will be given to you, a timed slot will be given to you to access the eye emergency department. To some people, this may seem quite cruel, but it's our way of ensuring that we can keep social distancing in our units and yet still manage to see those with the most urgent cases. Patients are still presenting with retinal detachments, uh, vision loss from macular degeneration or blocked blood vessels and from glaucoma. So it's important they can still access our service that we can treat them. And we are treating those patients with the most urgent conditions. In fact, after this phone call, I have to treat a patient with a retinal detachment uh, that came in to see me yesterday. So we have strict criteria about what constitutes an urgent or emergent case. And we are following those guidelines quite consistently, uh, definitely across the two main eye units in the matter and the eye and ear and at St. Vincent's Hospital also. We're following those and then we're uh, performing surgery on only the urgent cases. So a number of your service users or people listening to this uh, broadcast might have had an operation coming up, such as the cataract operation, uh, that will be cancelled or if it has not been cancelled already. And unfortunately, we're unable to give specific dates because we do not know how long this crisis will go on. But stay in contact with your hospital. Our administration teams are working exceptionally hard to contact patients directly if they can, or to post letters out or to contact them by email. So if you can try and stay in touch and stay patient, they will get back to you with uh, updated guidance. Our medical teams are also trying to work hard to contact patients who say have outpatient appointments and they're reviewing their clinical notes, phoning the patients or making decisions to defer their appointments if it's deemed appropriate. And we do feel that we'll get the vast, vast majority of these decisions correct but if you feel you've been postponed and you suffer an acute loss of vision or an acute onset of pain, you know, I do contact your local eye emergency department and have them help you make the triage system to come in to hospital if necessary. And just to, to follow up on that helpful answer, um, NCBI has put up all the contact details of the different eye emergency departments in all the hospitals across the country. And that information is available on our website um, ncbi.ie. It's under the um, frequently asked questions section. It can be accessed through our um, homepage under the FAQs there. Um, That's very helpful. Thank you. So in terms of um, if someone is listening and they're genuinely concerned that they feel their eye condition has got worse um, only in the last few weeks, what would their, your key advice be to them? It's got worse acutely. Right? That contact the eye emergency department, either via the phone call or an email referral from your GP, 
or drop a line yourselves in and have a uh, wait for a response. Come back. The uh, teams at the main eye hospitals are monitoring the electronic traffic in and try outing uh, the urgent referrals. Uh, so do make contact. Don't suffer and sit there in silence thinking that you can't get in. And particularly if you're symptom free and have not been in contact with somebody who is COVID positive, uh, we will be able to see you in the hospital at a timed appointment. The timed appointments are important because that reduces the risk of you picking up the infection coming into the hospital and reduces the risk of transmission of, of infection within the hospital also. Yeah, as you rightly say, it's, it's a question of trying to protect the patient and other patients and staff in such um, unprecedented times. Um, and that's such a, a crucial aspect to, to everybody's care at this stage. Absolutely. Um, and one of the things in connection with this virus and its transmission is that we've heard people should avoid rubbing their eyes in order to um, prevent infecting themselves. Why is this? And can the virus actually affect one's vision? Uh, there are two reasons why we give that advice. Uh, the first is to prevent spread of the infection. It was noted early on in the outbreak in China that a number of patients with the COVID-19 virus presented with a conjunctivitis. Um, it's not very common, but it's common enough. So patients with conjunctivitis in this climate, for example, we are not recommending that they attend the eye emergency department because most of these conjunctivitis infections are self-limiting and are managed just with topical lubricants. So one of the reasons for not rubbing the eyes is so the virus is not spread by somebody who has conjunctivitis associated with a COVID-19 infection. And in fact, our guidance is to assume anybody with a conjunctivitis at this, this stage is COVID-19 positive. The other part of that guidance is to avoid rubbing their eyes is because you can transmit the virus through mucous membranes. And we often think of that as the nose and the mouth, but our eye is covered in a, a membrane called the conjunctiva, which is a mucous membrane. So you can theoretically get transmission of that virus into the body via the eyes. So we would advise you not to um, rub your eyes and indeed keep your hands away from your face, practice good hand hygiene and cough etiquette as has been recommended frequently. The other part of this question is, can the virus affect vision? There's no indication at this stage that the virus does, aside from causing a conjunctivitis, which may cause mild blurring of the vision uh, due to the ocular discharge, it does not appear to be uh, a significant effect on visual acuity uh, the mechanisms. That's definitely reassuring to, to yes, hear that. Sure. Yes. Um, we've had a query from people who's appointments either for injections or for um, cataract appointments or treatments and operations are imminent and some of them have received cancellation notices others haven't what would your advice be to patients who know that their their treatment or operation is is due within the next short while uh, at the moment all the administrations are trying to keep up with the imminent uh, cases that are due come into the hospital. So if your procedure is not scheduled for another two or three weeks, you may not have been informed at this stage. If your procedure is due next week, I would contact the hospital uh, and this afternoon or on Monday morning uh, to uh, inquire as to the status there. If your procedure is a non-urgent procedure, such as a cataract operation, it is likely to be postponed. Uh, you can expect that. Uh, if it is an urgent procedure, say for a retinal detachment repair or an orbital operation, that may be deemed as more urgent and you, that may still be going ahead and the team should be in touch with you uh, to make those arrangements. They will still do all the screening questions 
to ensure that your low risk or no risk COVID um, positivity so that they will be able to bring you into the hospital. And a number of the hospitals are running other screening uh, locations prior to access to their units. With respect to ocular injections, this is a real area of concern for us because we've got patients on maintenance injections, which is holding their vision. And these are being used for conditions such as macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy and retinal vein occlusion. We've taken a common position amongst a number of retina specialists, and this is validated by the practice across the world and with our colleagues indeed in Italy, who are further into their crisis than we are. And we have made the decision that a number of conditions are not urgent enough to warrant the risk to either the patient or the staff to bring them into hospital at this point in time. And typically there are diabetic patients and patients with retinal vein occlusions. Most of the emergent treatment that we're doing at the moment in these patients is for macular degeneration and they're for patients with just good vision in one eye or perhaps they're having vision to both eyes at this point in time or have just started a course of treatment. So these treatments are still ongoing and patients themselves, of course, are making some decisions not to attend the hospital because they're concerned about uh, going outside and that's understandable. But we're still running those services, though they're running at about 20 to 35 percent of normal uh, capacity at the moment. We do uh, encourage all our units to continue to document all the patients that are being postponed, what they're having injections for, and what their preceding injection schedule was. This information is absolutely vital to us when we reboot the system after the COVID-19 crisis. And remember, it'll probably be a soft reboot with still low volume clinics, but we will need to know everybody that we were supposed to have in over this period of time to safely and appropriately bring those patients in who most need our care in the immediate aftermath of the crisis. And we'll obviously extend that to all patients who need our care after the crisis. And while Dr. Keegan, that's really helpful advice, particularly around in injections, do you have any advice for in, uh, patients on how they access other medications that they might need to maintain um, their eye health? The, um, well, there's the mechanisms in place have been in place for a number of years. We just haven't used them that widely in this country, but to for repeat prescriptions. And I know general practitioners are giving out repeat prescriptions by email and other means and to get into the pharmacies that patients can take them to avoid a specific visit into the hospital to have a prescription filled. So if it's a repeat or regular prescription, there should be no difficulty in accessing that medication. The difficulty comes to change or a plan change that medication, and that would then have to be triaged as the urgency to be reviewed to institute that change to that medication. So that would be by the emergency pathway. And again, I suppose if, if any patients have any concerns, they can contact back to their GP um, in connection with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that would be what I would recommend via the urgent pathway is that they contact the GP. Uh, they're on a certain medication. It's not working or they're told to get in touch to contact the GP or try and make contact with your unit directly or the ophthalmologist looking after your care and uh, try and get a, an assessment either over the phone of somebody who knows you very well or an appointment in one of our urgent outpatient uh, slots if it's deemed appropriate. Okay, thanks. Um, one of the other questions we received was um, in connection with a, from a mother whose daughter has ONH and nystagmus um, and 
normally doesn't suffer from um, anything. Sorry, and normally doesn't suffer much apart from dry eye and corneal abrasions. But lately she's experienced very sore eyes and dull, achy pain with on and off blurry vision. Um, the mother brought her to the eye emergency department and everything looked OK, but she's still very concerned because the pain has not eased. And um, this girl is a migraine sufferer. Um, and this is the first time her eyes have been like this. So she's not convinced it's been caused by a migraine. Um, the neurologist prescribed Topamax, but that has a lot of complications regarding the eyes. So the mother's reluctant to put her on these. Would you have any advice for this um, mother? Thank you. Um, it's it's a very detailed and very specific query um, regarding uh, this patient who's got uh, optic nerve hyperplasia and nystagmus. For those who don't know, this this is the condition where the eyes wobble a bit from side to side. It sounds to me like she has suffers from a condition called a recurrent erosion syndrome, which can run with dry eye and corneal abrasions, and where the surface of the eye breaks down spontaneously and can be very sore in of itself. And now she was seen in an eye emergency department. I felt everything looked okay. And usually you can see the hint, even if the abrasion is healed over, you can see the hint of that there. I would still recommend um, uh, ocular lubricants and eye gels in the first instance, and then standard pain relief medication, such as paracetamol, or if it's appropriate, Nurofen. Um, if she's been seen by her neurologist uh, and prescribing Topamax's specific medication that is used in migraine relief, she should consider that, but she is correct. There are a number of ocular complications associated with Topamax, so she's reluctant to use these. Use uh, standard analgesics, but a lot of ocular lubricants to try and settle that down. It sounds to me a lot like um, recurrent erosion syndrome. Okay, I'll certainly pass that back to the mother. Um, and one final question we have is in connection with general advice about the fact that people are spending a lot of time in front of screens um, to pass the time as we're all housebound. Um, what advice would you have for people to protect their eyesight? Yes, this is um, a real situation for now, but in reality has been a growing situation in society for the last 10 years as the use of screens has increased. The general advice still stands, limit your screen time take frequent breaks. If your eyes, eyes are getting sore and, and tired and dry, use ocular lubricants, which you can get over the counter from your chemist and there's a range of products available uh, for that. Um, if people are using screens or need to use screens for protracted periods of time, consider using screen filters, which filter out some of the blue or ultraviolet light uh, from that that um, is in the more damaging uh, range of the vision spectrum. Uh, but really, the, the good sensible advice is to limit your screen time, take frequent breaks and uh, use uh, ocular lubricants if you get sore, irritated eyes. Excellent. And, and with the cameras still being open, that should be easy to get if anybody needs it. Yes, yes. Um, well, that was all the, the questions we have at, at this stage. Dr. Keegan, is there anything, anything else you would like to um, reassure or comment to patients um, at this time? Yes, June, I'd, I'd like to take the opportunity just at the end to say how, look, this is a very difficult time for everybody in the country. And it's, a, I think, a particularly difficult time for anybody with any limit to their senses or vision loss or, or blindness or any uh, disability. And it really is appeal to remember all the supports that are still there, even if you're at home. And June's outlined them there at the NCBI and other support services to make sure to access those. And I know 
the phone calls into NTBI and the other site loss organizations have gone up over the last um, couple of weeks. And to ensure that you stay in touch with organizations there to help you and with each other. Um, there's a lot of technology and supports that are out there and available and to try and get access to those. And as always, we appeal to our government agencies to make sure the information that comes out is accessible to all those with sight loss and blindness and that there's um, good availability to all these supports. Uh, I think it's particularly important, uh, given the financial uh, impact of this crisis, is that those with sight loss or blindness are not disadvantaged by accessing uh, all those supports that are available to everybody else with full vision. Uh, thank you, Jim. Great, thank you. And just for, for me to conclude, just to um, inform people that the NCBI helpline is open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, the number is 1850 33 43 53. And also um, we've been actively tweeting some of the HSE accessible information, um, both the, the audio book on COVID-19 and also some of the other HSE resources. So continue to follow NCBI on Twitter um, to access some of those HSE accessible formats um, to make sure everybody gets the information they, ne they need in the format they require. But for now, all I can say is a big thank you to Dr. Keegan um, and to continue to stay safe and well during these times. Many thanks. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, please subscribe. To support NCBI, please visit www.donate.ncbi.ie.